So about a year and a half ago, I'm at the MVA in Bel Air to register a car. I walk in, it's crowded, kind of quiet, dark, it's got that weird MVA smell. And as I'm going towards the line at the counter, I noticed there was a group of older men all standing together. And they're all between 65 and 80 years old, maybe. And one of them was wearing a tucked-in plaid button-down. He's got light blue jeans on, Nike Monarchs. And he's wearing the unmistakable red Make America Great Again hat. And he's basically staring me down as I walk in the line behind him. I made a mental note of it. You know, I pay attention to everything in the room and just didn't feel right. So I'm standing there and I'm minding my business. And this guy turns to me and he goes, How you doing, kid? So I look up from my phone and I said, Hey, I'm doing all right. I'm not a kid, though. And this guy instantly became blindingly angry. I mean, his face turned that really dark shade of red. He's got a scowl on. Then he starts to shuffle over towards me as quickly as he can. And he walks over, and he's probably about a foot from my face. So I just kind of looked at him. And after a second or two, he lowers his voice to a whisper, and he says, Now you listen here. When you get to be my age, just about everyone's an effing kid, all right? And he cracks this creepy, slow grin, and so I calmly replied to him, I'm not a kid. And I just continued to look at him, like, what are you doing right now? And after a few seconds, he kind of realized that I wasn't going to back down, and it's almost like he came back to reality, remembered what year it was, and that he's standing in the middle of the MVA on a Tuesday afternoon. And then eventually, he stammered something like, well, well, uh, uh, yeah, well, well my, my wife is uh, here somewhere, and I gotta go meet up, and uh, he trailed off, and he just walked away. And now I'm thinking, yo, what just happened? Like, I'm looking around to see if anyone else just saw this man try to bully me in broad daylight in the middle of the MVA. Now, I told this story on our morning show the next day, and I think about it every now and then, and especially now, as we're right in the middle of election season. And let me tell you exactly how I interpreted that situation. In his head, this guy was going to say whatever he wanted to me. Talk down, call me kid, whatever. I was just supposed to go along with it, right? Say, hey, sir, how are you? Good. Doing great today. Happy to be here. But simply by saying, I'm not a kid, that really triggered him. Like, I could almost see his brain going, how dare he respond to me that way? You are exactly who I say you are, kid. Do you honestly think me saying I'm not a kid would have triggered anyone rational that fast? I don't think so. Now, Bel Air may not be the most diverse town in the world. I know that. But I would have never imagined someone feeling so comfortable and empowered to speak to me like that before 2016. It just would have never happened. I've always called situations like these the checkpoints. And I can almost guarantee that any minority that you know has been in a situation where they're minding their business, jogging through their own neighborhood, or coming out of work, or getting out of a really nice car... And then someone walks up to them and feels like they don't belong there. And they start asking you a thousand questions and almost like block your path. Like you're supposed to stop whatever you're doing and answer my questions before you can move on. It's never anything outright menacing, but it's things like, oh, so what are you doing here? Do you live here? How long have you lived here? Which house is yours? Oh, where'd you go to school? Do you have a scholarship? How'd you afford that? Like, where's your family from? Are you parked right there? Is that your truck? Oh, where'd you get that lift kit? Where'd you get your lift kit? And it goes on until you have to say, all right, I'm out of here, you know, or things like I've answered in my career, you know, I've answered. So how'd you get this job? Do you even like country music? How'd you get that backstage pass? Where are your tickets from? How do you know the record label? Are you here with a friend? Did your girlfriend drag you here? 
And if you're hearing this for the first time, you're probably thinking, well, Blair, psh, maybe they're just interested in you. You know, they want to have a conversation. But here's what you got to understand. I can tell the difference between friendly conversation and one of these checkpoints. And checkpoints, they almost feel like hostile, you know, intrusive in a way. And if you don't answer their questions exactly the way they want you to, they get really offended. I'm like, you're not the police. I don't have to sit here and answer anything you say. And You know, when I was younger, I used to not treat these situations as gracefully as I do now. You know, I used to sit there and answer everything and tell them where I went to school and where my family's from and how many siblings I have. And now I'm just like, hey, man, I'm out. You know, what are we doing here? And, and just move on. Let me fast forward to another situation that happened to me just a few weeks ago. So I'm at my local bank to withdraw some cash from the ATM. And there was a man there in his 60s at the machine in front of me. And so I did that thing where you kind of awkwardly stand about 20 feet back to show that you're in line, but not close enough to see what's on the screen. You know, that awkward spot. And he's taking a long time. You know, he, he puts his card in, he takes it back out, hits a few buttons, takes the card back, thinks on it, puts it back in. And I can tell he's pretty visibly flustered at this point. And I stood there waiting for almost five minutes. When he finished up and he walked away from the ATM and he immediately apologized to me. He's like, hey man, I'm sorry I took so long. I'm not trying to hold you up, man. I I'm really sorry. And at this point I noticed he's wearing a camouflage Trump 2020 hat. And I said, it's alright, man. I'm in no rush. Don't worry about it. It's all good. And that seemed to calm him down a little bit. And he goes, you know, I just lost my job. And this unemployment system is an absolute joke. I can't figure out how to get my money. And by this point, I could tell he was on the verge of tears. And he's like, I don't trust him. I don't trust anyone in the government with my money. I got bills to pay. I, 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 don't, I don't trust any. Uh, I got to get my money out so I can pay my bills because I don't trust him. And I instantly felt his pain. I mean, obviously, I just lost my job, too. And I had to deal with the same unemployment system, which just about drove me crazy three months earlier. And, well, he and I just uh, started talking, you know, right in front of the bank for another five minutes. and. I introduced myself and shook his hand and let the guy behind me in line go ahead and use the ATM. And I told him my story, too, you know, and I gave him some tips for dealing with the unemployment website. And he goes, you know, I, I'm wearing this Trump hat, but I, I don't I don't love the guy. You know, I don't agree with all his stuff. OK, I, I'm a lifelong Republican and I, I understand if you're not, you know, I, I get that. And it was almost like he was saying to me, hey, man, don't be afraid. I'm not one of them. And honestly, I just felt bad for the guy, you know? How could you not? Soon after our conversation wrapped up and told him to take care, we went our separate ways, never saw the guy again. Now, do I fully believe that guy is not a big fan of Trump? No, not really. I mean, that, I ain't never seen nobody put a Ravens hat on and wasn't a fan of the team, right? That'd be like wearing one in downtown Pittsburgh and walking around going, whoa, whoa, I, I'm not a big fan of these guys, I promise. That's not how it works. What I did see was a man who was understandably frustrated with the system. You know, he's probably seen the government's corruption for years, probably frustrated with the politicians promising the same thing to him over and over again for decades, no kind of progress. And the fact that he took a second to kind of distance himself from some of the more divisive, hateful, evil things that Trump has done and said over the years, said that he knew exactly what was going on and was aware of that stuff, but it didn't really personally affect him. And he's a Republican and felt like he had to vote Republican no matter what. Now, this is America. He has the right to vote for whomever he wants to. But it's tough, man. Like, you can't just vote for him 
and try to wash your hands of all of the other stuff that you know exists and you know is wrong without also enabling people who want to see me hanging in a tree from feeling like their thoughts and their feelings are somehow justified now. That's the hard part. Is everyone who votes for Trump an angry, hate-filled racist? No, absolutely not. But I bet every hate-filled white supremacist that you can think of freaking worships this guy. And as an African-American driving through my own hometown, I see the Trump train flags flying, or the MAGA hats on people. I have to pay attention to them, not because I want to disagree and fight with them. It's because I'm looking out for my personal safety, you know? It's like, for some people, their definition of great was this time period where people who looked like me were in shackles. You may not hate me, but hate towards me wasn't a deal breaker for you. You know, you got to think, like, does my life matter to these people? Do I feel safe going over their house anymore? Are they single issue voter? Or do they see me as three-fifths of a man? Like, you have to go through these exercises and do these mental gymnastics when it comes to this stuff because it's unsettling. And it's unsettling every time because I have to think, are they more like the racist I met at the NBA who would rather not see me exist? Or are they more like the man who I ran into at the bank, a lifelong Republican who just felt like he had no other option? If your family's Hispanic and your next-door neighbor just posted a video of them chanting, build the wall at a rally yesterday, you could be thinking, wait a minute, first of all, I grew up here. Second of all, like, does my neighbor secretly want me deported right now? Or if your boss were to support a judge who wants to take away LGBTQ plus rights, you could be thinking, I'm really glad she doesn't know I'm into girls, because I'm not sure if she would treat me the same way if she knew that. Or maybe you're like one of my best friends, who's an Asian-American woman, who now has the President of the United States spewing out anti-Asian slurs in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, and you're thinking, great, now I have to deal with more stigmatism and more hate, just like I did when I was in middle school and the SARS outbreak happened and I was bullied every day for it. Or if you're black and a couple of Trump signs pop up in your neighborhood, you might be thinking, wait, does my neighbor actually think I'm bringing down their property value by living here, even though I've been here longer than they have? If you go to the golf course and there's a Trump bobblehead, in the pro shop, when you go to pay, it's like, wait a minute, am I giving my money to somebody who hates me? These are things that kind of hit your brain in a way where you have to really evaluate that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe after this election, we can kind of go back to the normal dysfunction in Washington. And I can sleep a little more soundly knowing that the leader of the free world isn't enabling and encouraging extremists who want to kill me. You know, I wake up and I doom scroll Twitter every day because I'm like, oh God, here we go. What else? What else? None of this is normal. Me? I voted weeks ago. I'm a fan of common human decency and democracy, so that was a pretty easy decision for me. And spoiler alert, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. Shocker, right? What did it for me? Well, it, uh, it could have been mocking a disabled person or repeatedly refusing to denounce white supremacy, the act as Hollywood tape lying about everything, birtherism attacking the World Health Organization, calling Nazis very fine people, attacking the free press, not committing to a peaceful transfer of power, denying science, deranged tweets, coronavirus response, and 220,000 plus Americans dead, lying about everything, a misinformation campaign, using Christianity as a prop and holding the Bible upside down outside of that church where he wasn't even welcome in the first place, or calling soldiers losers and suckers, or beefing with celebrities all the time, or engaging in voter suppression, or lying about everything, or xenophobia towards Mexicans or the USPS manipulation or attacking the Gold Star family or encouraging voter intimidation or not calling out the Russian bounties on US soldiers or pushing conspiracy theories every day like QAnon, which is absolutely ridiculous, and refusing to release his tax returns or lying about everything or using the presidency to make his family rich or the Russia thing or the Ukraine thing or the bleach thing or the white power thing. It all kind of blurs together after a while. And I still hear people say that they're still undecided at this point, which is fine. 
But they've got the, you know, I don't know. They're both bad. I got to kind of take a closer look at the policies. And I've heard that so many times. And I used to get really upset when I heard that. Like, does any of that other stuff matter to you at all? But now it hit me. I'm not even mad about it anymore. I'm pretty envious. No, seriously, like if your voting rationale involves numbers instead of your right to exist, I'm a little jealous. You're probably in a position where none of that marginalization affects you personally. So you just get to deal with what does affect you, which is, I don't know, your bank account or something. Heading into the first debate, I had this plan to take some of the audio from the debate, cut it up and make a funny song out of it or something. You know, stuff I do when I'm bored. Make light of the situation, you know. People need to laugh right now. But as I watched it, it didn't even feel appropriate to make jokes about the state of our politics right now. I mean, they're yelling over each other, insults being thrown everywhere, and I'm like, oh, jeez. It was embarrassing. And then when the President of the United States had an opportunity to denounce white supremacy in front of the world, well, he didn't. Again. That moment was chilling. And you might have said, well, that was bad but I'm still going to vote for him. Or maybe you cheered that part on. I don't know. But all I can think of is my family being the ones in that Bible study five years ago at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston when Dylan Roof walked in there and killed nine people just for looking like me. And if there's anyone in your life or your family who's black or Latino or Asian or female or LGBTQ+, who appears extremely emotionally affected by all this, it's because the stakes may be a little higher for them than you. And just remember this uncredited quote I found. Quote, When you debate a person about something that affects them more than it affects you, remember that it'll take a greater emotional toll on them than you. For you, it may seem like an academic exercise, but for them, it feels like revealing their pain only to have you dismiss their experience and sometimes their humanity. The fact that you remain more calm under these circumstances is a consequence of your privilege not increased objectivity on your part. End quote. And if you still can't understand why someone is so vehement about this election, just listen to them. Or let's say there was a reality TV star who ran a political campaign that was so hateful and divisive that historians compared it to 1930s Germany. And then the historically neutral New England Journal of Medicine denounced his pandemic response as a tragedy. And then, he's got a seemingly unanimous approval rate with white supremacists and domestic terrorists. And then hundreds of other scandals that we can't even keep track of at this point. And then, knowing all of this, half the country either bought the hat, or just shrugged and voted for him anyway. I mean, <laughs> I mean that would never actually happen, right? Right? Right?